teaching is a work of heart and a whole bunch of other shit. Join in to listen to the good, the bad, and the ugly of the teaching world with current and former teachers. Welcome to The Reality of Teaching with Megan Dorsey and Friends. Good morning, everybody, and happy Monday. My name's Megan, and I am so excited to have you here today. Not only was the last week super sunny and beautiful in Chicago, but this is also the 10th episode. Oh my gosh. I just, like, I'm genuinely shocked that people listen to me, but also I've gotten so many messages and just such kind DMs from people who have either connected to my story or have specific questions that they want me to answer. So, I mean, just thank you for listening and for taking the time to reach out to me. From the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. Second of all, one of the number one questions I was getting on all types of platforms was, how did you do it? How did you transition out of teaching? So I did want to take an episode to really dive into all the steps and mistakes and thought processes I went through during this time. Really quickly before we get started, I'm going to be referencing a whole bunch of stuff from this page called Resume Resources that I've uploaded online. It's just a Google Doc. The way that you can access this is going to my link tree. So just so you know, I'm going to tell you where that is now, and then I'm just going to reference it as the Resume Resources from here on out. So if you go on my Instagram for this podcast, which is the Reality of Teaching Podcast, you can find my link tree there. And that's where you'll find the resume resources page. I hope that the resume resources is helpful to you in some way. On the top of the resume resources sheet, I have a bunch of stuff about transitioning out of teaching. And then on the bottom, I do have a copy of my interview questions and resume for my teaching job in case you need that as well. So let's jump in. Let's get started. Thank you for for getting through that longer than normal introduction. So let's take us back to December of 2021. At this time, you know, in my life, I had Googled a few times, like, what other jobs can teachers do? Because, you know, I had an off day and I really wanted to know kind of another route. But I was never serious about it until December of 2021. If you've listened to previous podcasts, you know that around December, I was super upset about teaching. We had this shooting threat that really negatively impacted me and made me lose trust in some of the people I worked with. I was super low in terms of confidence. I was sleeping all the time. It was just bad time. And then I got COVID (laughs) right before winter break. So I had these 10 days where I could not do anything. And I decided to try to make it productive because I was really in such a rut that I knew that the 10 days of isolation was either going to be make things even worse, or I could try to use this time to help myself out. So what I did first was, again, Google, what can teachers do outside of teaching? But then for the very first time, I stumbled across this incredible website called the Teacher Career Coach. Now, the Teacher Career Coach herself, her name is Daphne Gomez. I just have to tell you, finding that website was a really big help. And I'm going to start off with step one, which is choosing a job. 
the first thing I did on this website was use their free quiz to find a couple of job options for myself. I had never seen anything like this. I wish I was the one to create it because it is awesome. So what you do is you sign up with your email. So that's the only thing you have to do. Um, And you have to answer a couple of questions kind of just related to your interests. Like if you still want to be in the education world, if you want to be remote, in person, all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the quiz, it gives you about five or six job titles that you should look into based on your preferences. And that to me was just so helpful because in this world of like a billion jobs, it was nice to know just a few titles that maybe worked best for me. And I'm going to tell you what I did wrong after that. (laughs) So on there, I saw one of my answers said project management. And I am a planner. I love planning. I love organizing things. So I thought, oh, managing a project sounds great. Sign me up. But um, I took it so far that I started to take a Google Google certification um, online thing. And I thought, okay, I'll get the certification. I'll apply for jobs. Bada bing, bada boom. I was rocking it on the first couple courses. I was so excited. And, you know, I was that overachiever person in high school. So I was just so excited I was getting A's on quizzes. Like, that was it. And I was flying through this thing because, again, I couldn't do anything else. I was stuck in my room. So I get almost all the way done in, like, record time. And at the end, there's, like, a bunch of math, just a bunch of equations. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm an English teacher. I This isn't me. What am I doing? And I realized I was kind of just doing it because it felt good to be getting like good scores and I was getting through it. And I also seemed to like the idea that there was like a path, like, oh, I can take this certification and then I'm good. Some of the other jobs, it's like, I just have to put myself out there. God, that sounds horrifying. So I kind of had a moment of reflection. Maybe I wasted my 10 days of isolation a little bit, but I realized project management is not for me. So from there, I made another mistake, (laughs) which was fine. I'll just change my resume a little bit to be kind of vague and send it out to every single job that I could potentially do. I was looking for remote jobs or like a little mix, like a hybrid. I didn't want to have to go in every day. And that was it. (laughs) So My biggest mistake was probably just crazily applying to all these jobs, using the easy apply on LinkedIn, and just trying to get as many out there as possible. Let me tell you, I did not get a single response, not even a no, not even (laughs) nothing, nothing from these jobs. And of course, that was also a moment for me to sit down and realize this is like middle of January now, like, okay. Your current method isn't working. (laughs) So I had to take a moment to kind of relax and really think about my priorities. What I would really recommend that you do is two different things. One, think about the skills that you have as a teacher, but not just a general teacher, right? Every teacher that's ever taught can say the same five or six skills. 
focus in on the ones that you really enjoy and that you like about the job and that you have gotten good at, right? Like I really like presenting. I really like creating the slideshows and the materials. And I really like building relationships with the students. However, you know, I was not the best at keeping track of gradings. I was not the best at organizing like the books in my classroom when when people were checking stuff out. I am not good in any way with like permission slips. I'm very forgetful with those kind of things. Like don't make yourself, don't sell to every single thing about teaching because not everyone's good with every single thing in teaching, if that makes sense. Um, So make sure you're narrowing it down to the skills that you have and that you also like. So it's like a Venn diagram. The things that are in the middle are the things you like and that you can do from teaching. Once you get that, I found that I had public speaking on there. Like I said, building relationships and creating materials. So I realized I went back to that quiz and saw that there was instructional design and training. So I thought, okay, let's focus in on these two. Then I did some research. I still wasn't applying yet. I took this pause and I listened to podcasts about these jobs. I watched some YouTube videos and I even did a crazy thing, which was reach out to people on LinkedIn. Now, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't love LinkedIn. I only used it a few times to message people. And I met with one person on Zoom to talk about their position. It helped in some ways to get that insight, but it did not like change the game for me. I did not get a referral or anything like that. And I didn't have many connections during this process. So I'm going to circle back to LinkedIn, but please know like you don't have to be super great at it and have like a million connections to get a job. So back to what I was doing, I've narrowed it down. And what I learned was that with instructional design, I really needed to learn some of the platforms. Um, If you're interested in it, You know, there are things like Camtasia and Storyline, and I didn't know what these things were. So I would have to teach myself or take a class. At this time, things were getting worse at school, and I realized I don't have the time, mental space, or money to take classes or even just to teach myself. I have a laptop that's about to break, has no storage left. I couldn't even download the platforms that I needed to have. So I decided you know what, if I make it through the school year, let's look into instructional design over the summer where I have some time off and I can really get serious about it. And as a backup, I'm also going to apply to some training specialists, professional learning, and curriculum writing roles because those match my skills that I like, which are presenting and you know building relationships, as well as a, a little bit of planning from, from the project management vibes. So I kind of narrowed it down. I would really recommend choosing like one or two titles total. Um, And remember that your job title that you choose could have many different names. Like training specialist can come off as corporate trainer, professional learning specialist, subject matter specialist in some cases. Like it is all different types of things. So just make sure you really look into the other names of your role so that you know what to look for. All right, so now I found these roles. I'm going to do it. I'm going to apply to them. I faced the craziest imposter syndrome. 
And I want you to know that every teacher I've talked to who has transitioned out of teaching has felt this. Mine stuck around for two months and then popped back up when I got a new job. So imposter syndrome is when like you feel like you really can't do this. You're not good enough. You don't fit in. And you're like an imposter in that role because there's no way you could actually be doing it. So I wanted to talk about that for a second because I want you to know that teachers every day put on a thousand different hats. You really, truly can do whatever job you set your heart to. Yes, sometimes it might be a little more work. You might need to take a class. Sometimes you might just be putting yourself out there in a place that you never thought you'd be in. So please know that it's okay. I think with teaching too, all of us or many of us thought it was the job forever. The teaching career doesn't really have a growth path. You're not like senior teacher. You know what I mean? You, When you get into teaching, it's mostly the plan for a lot of people unless they go into like admin or instructional coach or something like that. So a part of the imposter syndrome was also a whole bunch of confusion and guilt and an identity crisis because what are you doing? But please try to stick to it because I've also talked to teachers who have realized I should have just tried a little bit harder instead of resigning and being miserable at my job another year. So take a moment, take a deep breath. It's okay to get rejected. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to get angry when companies ghost you, but please remember that you are an incredible person. You have many skills and talents that people are looking for, and you will find another job 100%. Keep that all in mind. So moving on here, I finally start narrowing it down and applying to jobs. I do kind of want to jump in just a little bit into my resume tips that I have, as well as some LinkedIn and interviewing tips. So if you go to my resume resources page, I have at the top my resume for teaching, um, for transitioning out of teaching. On the bottom, I also have my teaching resume in case anyone needs it. But let's focus on the transitioning out of teaching. So if you open it up, I'm going to compare my teaching one to my um, newest one. And something about the teaching was it's like a little more cutesy. I made it on Google Slides, and I have a whole bunch of stuff on there. Like my teaching one has professional experience, it has related experience, research, leadership, all this stuff. Because it feels like in teaching, you really have to prove yourself and show like everything you did, every committee you were on, stuff like that. The truth is, and at first I felt kind of sad about this, is a lot of companies don't really care about the committees that you were on. And I also realized a lot of companies probably don't care that I'm a POMS coach or that I was a lacrosse coach. So I actually took those things off, which sounds crazy, but my resume was too long. I am a third year teacher. I was told if you haven't been teaching for more than 10 years, you should probably not have a two page resume. So I kind of had to shorten things up a bit, but some of these things come out in different ways. So instead of having all these different sections, I start off with my name, city, state, phone number, email, and LinkedIn, and then jump right into education and credentials. So I just had my schools there, no problem. When I got to my experience, I actually took off the caregiving job that I have. I took off any coaching, 
And I only had the two middle schools that I taught at with three to four bullet points under all of them. Let me read you some of the bullet points so that you kind of know what I'm talking about. So for example, for my teaching one under a middle school, I wrote that I implemented various strategies through in-person, remote, and hybrid settings to engage students in culturally relevant lessons, planned rigorous, diverse curriculum, and worked with professional learning teams to analyze data and adjust plans accordingly. So there is one example of my teaching one. Instead of using those words, though, because especially they're very teachery, right? Especially talking about remote learning and stuff like that. And especially with professional learning teams and communities. So I'm going to read you what my newer resume says, which is more geared to the idea of training and creating curriculum or, you know, designing things. So I said, Develop, teach, and differentiate a variety of curriculum based on Illinois state standards. I did this because it shows that I can, you know, follow the rules. I can meet the standards. I also used, utilize educational technology to advance students' literacy and communication skills. I wouldn't do this unless you're looking for ed tech, right? Because for me, that shows that I've used it. I understand how to use it in the classroom. That makes me more marketable to an ed tech company. Another one says, evaluate student work using equitable grading and track progress towards learning targets. Again, I'm trying to hint at the fact that I can track things, I can use data, I can analyze data and plan. Utilize asset-based and culturally relevant strategies to support a diverse group of students. So again, I am good at training because I can most definitely support different needs of the students in my classroom. These were short and sweet though, right? I did not go into too much detail. Where things really change is if you scroll down on my newer resume to the skills section. I had never done a skills section before and I had never really seen it. So in my skills section, I focus on different skills that I have. And this is where you can start to see some of my research or leadership roles kind of pop out. So here are the four skills that I used. I said, strategic projects, communication, research and analysis, and instructional design and content creation. The reason for this was I wanted to pinpoint different areas of these jobs where it might seem really unique that I have these skills as a teacher. Honestly, all teachers have these skills to some extent, but I really wanted to showcase some special ones because I was the lead on a couple committees. And I also have presented before at, you know, public conferences and I published something. So I really wanted to make sure that those things are on there. And in no way am I trying to like brag that I've done those things. It's just for me, those are highlights about myself. So again, when you go back to those skills, make sure you're highlighting things that showcase who you are and that you're proud of. So each um, skill was really important. And then I used some bullet points to expand. So for example, for strategic projects, I used the climate action team that I was the lead of at my school. I talked about how I worked on a committee to conduct a needs assessment and identify areas to improve, created action plan based on data collected and properly raised awareness for fundraisers, and implemented training to staff and members of the community 
to improve use of composting station. So again, I'm really trying to brag on my skills. And then for communication, research and analysis, instructional design, I reference things that I did, right? So for example, I was a public speaker on ed tech and games in the classroom at Octella and NCTE 2019. So those are just some small examples, but they really showcase that I have the exact skills that the job is looking for. Now, there is a way to check that you're doing this right. Um, again, if you go back to the resume resources, there is a website that is super awesome. And it allows you to copy and paste your resume in there. And then you copy and paste the job description that you're looking for. This is because a lot of the tracking systems out there, they're called ATS, Applicant Tracking System. They are a human resource software that allows employers to organize large numbers of applicant resumes. So sometimes recruiters or the hiring manager will just search their own software with a keyword to try to find the best well-matched applicants. So you can improve your chances of grabbing a recruiter's attention if you're optimizing those keywords that they're looking for. So the best way to do this is look at the job description, compare it to your resume, and see if you're highlighting the same skills that they are. Please know you do not need to have every single bullet point that they have. Do not discourage yourself from applying to a job because 99% of the time, they're actually overreaching to try to find the best applicant out there, but they'll still accept you if you don't meet one to two. I've even heard of like most of the bullet points. So, you know, give it your best shot. Do not just deny yourself. But the best way to give yourself the best shot is to compare it to make sure that your resume would get through the tracking system. All right, so we've kind of talked about resumes here. I wanna let you know that for no job that I applied for, they did not need a reference. Some do out there in this world, but nobody asked for my references. So you don't need that on your resume. And also don't let that be the reason you're kind of being held back. Like, well, if I get this job, they're going to call my boss and I'm going to have to say something. Nope. Don't worry about that until the day comes that they ask for it. Because for me, they never asked. So keep that in mind as well. All right, let's jump into LinkedIn. <laughs> I have some beef with LinkedIn because I don't really like it. It feels super Facebooky right now. And there's a lot of people trying to scam you on there. So make sure you're aware of all that. A lot of people think that they need to have a million connections and they need to post every day and they need to be friends with all these people. That is not true. When I started using LinkedIn to find a job, I had only a couple people on there from college, a bunch of people from high school because I created it in college, I think. And I had some updating to do, but I did not have a lot of connections. Like I said earlier, I did reach out to just a few people at companies that I was interested at working at, but some of them never answered. I met with one, nothing came of it, except they did let me know about some interview questions, which is super great. So you do not need to be cold connecting with people every five seconds. Please don't stress yourself out because honestly, you probably are stressed out enough. I recommend making a few connections, you know, every week or so, but take that so lightly. I had some weeks that I was on it and really trying like all week. 
And then I wouldn't touch it for two weeks in terms of like connecting with people. So please don't make that your number one priority. Make your resume and your cover letters your number one priority. Speaking of cover letters, I'll jump into that after LinkedIn. The number one no-no of LinkedIn that I'm seeing all the time is people venting on LinkedIn. Please remember that if a recruiter or a hiring manager or anyone who's going to be hiring you, when they click on your page, yes, they see your resume, they see anything you've posted. They also see things that you like and you've commented on. So even if you're not posting it yourself, even if you're commenting on someone like, oh yeah, my boss sucks, they can see that. (laughs) I have seen some pretty cringeworthy things on there that are meant for Twitter or TikTok or your FaceTime with your best friend or even this podcast, but not for a professional website. Please do not post about how horrible your year is, how bad your boss is, how you're being micromanaged, anything like that. I see it every day on there. It is not professional and I think it could work against you. So make sure you're only using your LinkedIn to speak positively, to show that you're you know, excited about work. You do not, I never posted. I never posted about my transition. I only did that one post when I got the job and I said, I have accepted a position, blah, 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 blah. So please do not think you need to be sharing like hashtag transitioning teacher unless you really, really want to, but please just know people can see it. In terms of who should you connect with to find jobs, I personally liked following Jeff Patterson and Daphne Gomez because they do post about job openings. So I found that to be helpful. And those are people that I would trust to kind of be a coach and share, you know, positive words. If you are not like a person, like an influencer in a way, you don't need to use LinkedIn for inspirational stories every day. So just ignore the ones you see because there's just so many on there. Another thing with LinkedIn is I did not know anyone at the company that I work for now. I did not connect with anyone. I think I tried and it just didn't work. So please know you can still get a job without connecting to people and without getting referred. I've heard referrals are really, really helpful. That's wonderful. Nothing against it. But I just want you to know it's still possible without getting a referral. In order to find referrals, um, if you're interested, is, you know, look at the company and see if you have any connections there. Maybe some random person from high school actually works there and you can ask, you know, that type of thing. Please know that if you just cold message someone, they don't know who you are, they're probably not going to give you a referral because it also kind of counts on them, right? Like they can't refer a person they don't know because they can't speak to if you're a good or bad worker. So just look out for yourself, do your best. And lastly, on LinkedIn, I have noticed a few people trying to scam and take advantage of this traumatizing teaching year. Please take a moment to really read messages. If someone messages you and offers you a job, that's probably fake. If somebody wants to meet with you only via texting or just feels weird, they don't have a website, you don't know about the job, you click on them and it says the CEO of their own company, but it doesn't say the name. Do not contact that person. They're probably just taking advantage of you and see that you're a teacher looking for a different job. So please keep that in mind. At the end of the day, when people talk about LinkedIn, they make it seem like it's a very big deal. I'm telling you right now, it's not. Just make sure you're presenting yourself professionally. Reach out every now and then. It could help. And make sure you have the most updated stuff on there. 
Lastly, LinkedIn does have a easy apply button and I really would not click that button. The reason why is it's just sending your LinkedIn profile to those people. It's not letting you do the full job application, which might have questions and a way for you to showcase who you are. So I always recommend clicking on the job and really making sure you do the actual thing. And I just said lastly, but I remembered another tip, which is you can set up job notifications. One of my maybe mistakes was I set up job notifications for a lot of vague terms like education manager and stuff like that in the beginning of the process. And then I got so many emails that I was deleting stuff all the time. So I really wouldn't do it for like a bunch of vague terms, but I do still have it up for training specialists so that I can just see other roles if they come up. And you can also do that for specific companies. So I had a few companies I would never work for because I've had experience with them and I don't like them. But I also had some that I had worked for in the classroom and like use in the classroom. And I really wanted to work for them. So I would press on their company name and set up like a little job reminder in case they come out with any jobs anytime soon. All right, up next, let's talk about cover letters. This is my biggest piece of advice and it's the longest, which is it takes the longest time. Because you really need to be writing a cover letter for every job. Yeah, I said it. Now, once I decided I was applying for just those couple of roles, I'm not going to lie to you. I had like a template. I made a basic template where I would basically just write to them and explain who I am, what skills I have, and why I think it would so perfectly match them and their mission statement. That was the vague one. Then I would go back and look at the skills they had on the resume or job application, as well as I would go on their website and look at their vibes, look at the mission statement if they had one. Look, Just look at what they're looking for and what they seem to be proud of. And then I would really, really match it up to whatever it is that they were talking about. So make sure you're not using this time to say teaching has been so hard and blah, blah, blah. That's not what they're looking for. You want to make sure you're really matching up to what they want. So for example, you could start off with, Dear Blink, I'm writing to express my enthusiasm for your job opening for a training specialist role or whatever role that you're applying for. You know, I teach at this school, blah, blah, blah. I feel that joining your team would be an incredible opportunity to support teachers in successfully implementing educational technology that is revolutionizing learning and making it more accessible to a diverse group of students. Now, that whole part would not make any sense if you weren't applying to ed tech, right? So that worked for me. It may not work for you. I then went on to explain in a paragraph how I had used ed tech in the classroom and my experiences within professional development and how maybe I noticed like, oh, I can be a trainer and like I would love to kind of give back to teachers and give back to ed tech as well. My last paragraph talked about the key skills that I have for the position. This is where I literally looked at the the posting and then kind of, you know, copy and pasted it with adding my own descriptions. So I made sure that I use effective problem solving, that I've worked with multiple action research projects, that I have worked with data and used it to improve student outcomes. 
I also made sure to focus on the importance of balancing the needs of all stakeholders. Stakeholders is a word that every company uses, but schools don't. And it basically is everybody involved, like a stakeholder in a student's life would be like the student, also the district's needs, also the parents' needs, and so on and so on. I, of course, also love to bring up that I'm super comfortable with tech because I have taught remote, hybrid, all kinds of stuff. And with my master's in diversity and inclusion, I made sure to include that that is something that's really important to me as well. At the end, make sure you've mentioned their mission so they know you've done your work and say, I really admire so-and-so's mission. I'm excited for the opportunity to work with you. Thanks for taking the time to review my application. I also love to throw in, I look forward to hearing from you soon. <laughs> you know, kind of spice it up. Best wishes, and then I sign my name. So there's an example of a cover letter that you could think about. The main point is, though, it doesn't really matter what you write as long as it's true to you, because those are the things they're going to ask you about. It also helps if you stand out, because teachers sometimes just say, well, I'm a teacher. And we assume that everyone knows what that means, but obviously in the society that we live, we know people have no clue what we go through every day. So make sure you're highlighting those key skills, those key competencies that you have, so that therefore people know who you are, they are excited to get to know you, and they see, they actually, you convince them that you have the skills. They're like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense to why you would apply for this job. Now, I did basically keep that cover letter and then I just changed like obviously the key thing is make sure you change the company's name. Oh my gosh, I actually sent one in to the or I thought it was the right one, but I clicked on the wrong um, document and I sent I think it was to No Red Ink. No. It was to Brain Pop and I sent it when I reread it it said No Red Ink's mission and I was like, "Dang it." <laughs> so it happens, shake it off, but just make sure you're taking your time and really really get through that. During this process of applying to jobs, I want you to know that I actually kept a like Google sheet of the jobs I was applying to, and I would highlight them if they responded to me in any way. Let me tell you, I applied to over 80 jobs. Of course, this includes my crazy applying to everything. But regardless, I applied to over 80 jobs. I got seven positive, like, hey, we want an interview. And out of those, only three of them turned into more than just a phone call. So those, those numbers are pretty low in terms of getting a response. The other 70-something ghosted me or just sent a no. And I just want to give you those numbers so that you know that it, it did take that many tries. And even though I had some response from seven out of the 85 or whatever, not all of them worked out. So it's okay if the process takes a long time. I will say I noticed a huge, huge peak in March. So I think that was kind of like the end of people's fiscal years or whatever. I also heard that's when like hiring season starts. So, you know, that could account for some of it as well. Like people aren't hiring as much in January and February. March onward seemed to be pretty popping. So um, along with that, I also just got an email from a company that I applied to in February. So I'm getting the vibe as well that there's a lot of HR kind of going slow because they might not have enough HR people hired or whatever. 
So long story short, please know that it does take a lot of applications and all you need is a few companies or just one company to give a chance on you for it to work out. So keep trying because it takes a long time, but you can do it. All right. Lastly, let's talk about interview and then accepting the job. A lot of places start off with a phone interview, similar to teaching, where you're just kind of getting the basics. And some of the jobs, you know, they're a little more clear right off the bat. They tell you the salary, but some don't. I would really recommend before you go into a job, you take the time to figure out what you need. Not every job is going to be more than your teaching salary. A lot of jobs are, but not everyone. Along with that, to get help with this, I did take the teacher career coach course. This is the part that costs money, so you don't need to do it. But I found it really helpful because it helped me create my goals. And um, it did give resume examples. It also kind of helped me. I didn't know how to calculate my salary. Like, what should I be getting in order to afford the life that I currently have with extra <laughs> So she's got like worksheets and stuff that I printed out and I had a really good time doing. It also helps with like your goals and helping you choose a career. So I recommend it. I think it's like $100, $150, something like that. If you are interested, the link is in my link tree. But again, you can def I've talked to many people who haven't taken the course. I just liked it because it also gives you this access to this community on there. So then we have like this job board and we have people kind of helping each other out, asking for advice and so on. So I recommend it. But again, I know it's kind of hard out there to spend money on a course if you're just stressed with work. So you know what? You, you decide what's best for you. Getting into interviews, I found, again, the most important thing was to reference your skills. Do not talk about why you're leaving unless they ask. And do not make it seem like a negative experience, even if it was. Talk about all the great things you've learned from teaching because it's true. A lot of us love teaching. We just hate the system that it's in. So there are some things that you can talk about that are great. I've had, I had questions like, tell me about a day in your life. And I made sure because it was a training role that I focused on, I had like, oh, it started off with a team meeting where I trained my coworkers on how to use the updated version of PowerSchool. Now, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, I just shared my screen and showed it to him. Wasn't that big of a deal? But it's true. It was like a training in a way. And, you know, for the sake of an interview, it works. You got to sell yourself. So it's okay if you sell yourself. Um, how do you say it? I know the saying sell yourself short, but sell yourself long. I don't know. Make it, It's okay to do it. It's not overselling because it's true, right? Like you do do those skills. So I made sure to reference those things. I did not talk about my students every single second. Of course, I talked about them and I talked about how I support them. But I think sometimes where teachers maybe fail an interview is like most of these jobs we're applying for now are with adults. So you want to make sure you're showing that you can work with adults. You can, in my situation, train them, work with them, give feedback, that kind of stuff. And you want to make sure that you're showcasing those things, right? Like, so if you're applying for a copywriter job, you would want to show at some point in this, if they asked you that question, you would want to make sure you include writing in some way. If you're applying for customer success, you would want to make sure that you're 
showing how you manage an account of sorts, how you had to contact home or follow district initiatives, or maybe you're fundraising for something or getting money to go on a field trip and you're documenting those things. Like you would want to make sure that you're highlighting skills that they're looking for in, in their work day as well. Another question I got, one of my interviews, I did get the, why are you leaving? Of course, I didn't want to say, well, uh, I was threatened. I was pushed. I was having a bad time. Like that's just not for the interview. So I said in my example, especially with training, that I realized from you know the past couple of years that I really, really loved educational technology. And I also loved training my peers on it. This is all true. And I like explained to them that like during COVID, I actually helped my coworkers with Google Classroom. I showed them different tools that I found that were really helpful. I even had like a presentation in my classroom for my coworkers to explain even little things of like how to make a Bitmoji classroom, how to use PowerSchool was one of them that I already mentioned, how to use no red ink. Like I did all this stuff. And so I just made sure to really highlight those things and be like, because of that, I realized I have this growing passion for training teachers and working with teachers. So that's kind of how I reframed it. Again, please make sure you're not focusing on the negatives of teaching, but kind of where your passion is at now is the best way to kind of phrase it. Another thing is think about what you're willing to accept or not. Again, the teacher career coach course helped me with this, so I don't really want to steal her thunder. But to be, you know, a general tip I can say is like think about what salary you're able to do and think about the fact if you want to do something permanently or on a contract basis. The reason for this is because the job I got offered is a contract. I'll be honest, I didn't know what that was at first, of course, until I took the course, but I was in a dire situation and I had to get out. So in order to do that, I took this contract position. A contract position basically means like you're billing them for the hours that you work. You often do not have extra benefits that you get with a salary job, and you're only getting paid for those hours that you work. So in some ways, this was a negative thing, but it also was a pro. I'm going to go through it for me personally. Um, I think in the long run, I would like a salary job because I do want you know benefits and things like that. But it actually just worked for me in this moment because I'm 25, still on my parents' health insurance, so I didn't need to really consider that for this year. Next year already, I need to consider it. So this is a very temporary situation. But what I really like about it is during this really traumatic teaching time, I had the chance to take care of myself. I was creating my own schedule, my own hours. Today, the day I'm recording this is May. 10th. And I, I went to the beach this morning because I could, and then I came back and worked, but like, I just decided that with my own time. Another thing that's nice about it is over the summer, when I get these training sessions, the request gets sent to me and I can accept it or deny it. It is awesome having that flexibility and being able to be like, yes, I want to work. Yes, yes, yes. Sign me up. Or being like, "Mm, no, I'm going to take that day off. Easy no subplans, nothing like that. So with all that being said, it's a really particular situation to me. I also had selected to get paid for 12 months. And then when I quit my job, I got an extra big check because, 
you know, not extra in terms of like they gave me a bonus, but because I had been getting less throughout the year. So they needed to give me from August to March that extra money that was supposed to be for the summer. So I was in the financial situation to take an L and during my training, I was making less money. However, now that I'm going into the training sessions, I will be making more than I did teaching. So, you know, it ends up working out for me in that way. I don't think every single person will have that same experience, but I would just make sure you're really, really sure that that's what you want to do. Some other interview questions I got was, you know, what are you most proud of from your teaching career? That one almost made me cry because like I've been so emotional at teaching. I was like, oh God, I cannot answer this. But I really focused, I mean, the honest answer was just my students. Like I'm so proud of them and so proud of the relationships I have with them, especially during the pandemic. And overall, a lot of the other questions were just about your goals, your skills, and maybe just kind of elaborating on some of those things on your resume, which again is why it's so important to have those skills. <laughs> Lastly, let's talk about feeling lost once you've accepted a new job. I felt so excited when I got my job offer. I was jumping up and down. It saved me. I was so happy because I had already quit and I was in my last week of teaching and I didn't have a job lined up. I was horrified, but it had gotten to that point where I had to quit. So this job offer comes in. I'm super excited. I had about two and a half weeks off before I started. I would recommend giving yourself some time if you can before you jump into a new job, even if it's just a couple days, because it is a lot. Teaching is dramatic and it was a good and bad experience and I needed time to kind of debrief. I did not want my first meeting with people to be like, hi, I'm Megan and I'm suffering. <laughs> so give yourself time, allow for self-care those two weeks, I shockingly did not leave the couch at all. Like I thought I was going to be so excited to have like a spring break, but I just needed to relax and recover. When you start your new job, you might feel lost. And that's what I felt like. Was I excited? Yes, absolutely. New job, love getting trained. We had like a little course to get trained. I love school. So I was like, yes, like I'm taking this course. I got an A on the test. So excited. But then just last week, I had my first practice presentation where I was getting feedback from a manager. I was so nervous. And I think one of the incredible things about teaching was it was for this presentation that I like barely had time to look at. And I killed it. I did great because I'm used to kind of going on the fly with some random slides on the screen. So it worked out for me. But I will say the imposter syndrome came back. I thought to myself, what am I doing? Should I just quit? Should I just go back to teaching in the fall? Like, I can't do this. I'm not a tech person. I'm not a corporation person. Like, I thought, oh, am I betraying myself because I went into ed tech and like I didn't like some ed tech in the classroom? Blah, 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 blah. But then I did the presentation and I was like, no, this is what's right right now. I got immediate positive feedback. I felt confident. And today I just scheduled my first training that I'm doing with the school. So I'm super excited. I never thought I'd be here in both good and bad ways, but I'm here now. I got through it. And again, I know you can too, 100%. So please keep all this in mind and know that I am totally here for you if you need it. 
I'm not joking. So many people have sent me their resumes and I've sent them my example and given them feedback. I'm happy to do the same for you. Feel free to DM me if you need anything at all. If you need a connection on LinkedIn, feel free to add me. Whatever works, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. To end this, please know, again, you don't need to go into ed tech. I'm happy to help you kind of talk through it if you need to, but know that you can do anything that you set your mind to. Another thing is when you're leaving teaching, it feels like you need to find your other forever career. And I think something that comes with leaving teaching is the moment of realizing that these dream jobs are not perfect. They are not going to be everything we thought and more. And don't feel like you need to find your next forever career. I can literally tell you I will not be a training specialist forever. I already know it, but I'm enjoying it right now. And I think this experience is allowing me to live in the moment a little bit more and know that I'm not going to be like chained down to this company or to this job forever if I don't want to, because I now know how valuable I am and that I can get a job wherever I want. So you need to channel the same confidence that I got from this experience because at one point it was at zero. It was six feet under the ground. I had to bury her and then get her back up. I needed my confidence back to get this job. And, you know, teaching takes a lot out of you. It does some mental stuff that I'm still working through right now, even though I haven't been in that school since March. But regardless, you can do anything. That's it. (laughs) I'm so proud of you for even listening, for considering, for figuring things out. And please know you can do this. I'm here to help you. And I'm very, very proud of you. If you have any other questions, let me know. But that's it for today. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care. Bye.